Open fire. Now that I have your attention. Welcome to the Chase Ascendancy Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. This is Josiah, and I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, he's been on the show before for our Cobb Vant meets Boba Fett episode. Uh, jokes on us. It didn't happen. Um, but I've got Joe here, Joseph, uh, from Vance Armory on Instagram. Make sure you follow him. He uh, He's a toy photographer, a toy collector, and he does a really great job of breaking down future things he wants to see, and he'll actually do the work for Hasbro and tell them all the parts that they already have in existence that they can use uh, to make it happen. So Hasbro, if you're looking for the European arm of your production team, uh, he's on the line right here. Uh, but so as you guys, uh, I've joked around this before, but I'm part Scottish, part Irish. That's why I'm so angry all the time. Uh, but being part Irish. Joe is full Irish, lives in Ireland, um, and so he actually stayed up with us. So in the United States, it's St. Patrick's Day today. I'm hoping to get this edited and posted uh, before we see the next day. So I'm hoping, even though if it's late in the evening, it's going to be our St. Patrick's Day special, episode 78, and I couldn't do it without having a legitimate Irishman on for St. Patrick's Day. So uh, Joe, thanks for jumping on the show with us today, dude. You're most welcome. Uh, so we're gonna, uh, you actually had a really great idea. So would you jump in and kind of tell us what your idea was for, for today's episode, um, before we start over? So, uh, basically the other day I saw that, uh, on the Star Wars leaks Reddit, there, there'd been some interesting news posted by, um, Bespin Bulletin, uh, to do with Man Mando season three. So I just thought we could discuss that a little bit because I know we're both fans of that show. So you could have absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll say this. If you're the kind of person that, you know, I have friends that they won't even watch a trailer for a movie or a show. Um, so if that's you, if you're a purist and you're like, I don't want to see anything, know anything until I sit down, you know, in front of Disney Plus, uh, this episode's not for you. So come back in a few months uh, after The Mandalorian has started airing and let us know if we hit the nail on the head or if we're way off. Um, and, uh, but if you're one of those guys that, um, everyone that's a fan of the channel knows that my favorite part is to speculate. I love to just, um, you know, just to, to shoot for the stars and see, you know, oh, this is an interesting idea. What if it pertains to this or what's this? So this is really going to be um, that I've seen. And of course, Joe's going to inform us a little bit deeper, but I've seen three photos um, that were the main leaks from the Mandalorian season three. Um, and one of them is very interesting and the other two are just cool to look at. Um, yeah. and so again, this is a fair warning. If you're not into knowing things or guessing things about the future, knowing any information going into the show tune out now. Um, but if it's been a long work slash St. Patrick's day and you're ready to just relax and unwind and speculate with us, this is the episode for you. Uh, so Joe, take over a little bit and tell us. 
um, some of the things you saw. And I, I'm thinking they're the same things that I've seen, but I just want to make sure we're covering as much ground as we can. And then we'll kind of get into, uh, you know, what you think is, is what we're actually seeing. Cool. So um, the first thing I think, which is what you were referring to, was the three photographs. So there was two set photos mm -hmm. and then there were, there was a, a photo of some specific props. Um, the set photos, I think one was of a hallway kind of cave thing. I might yeah. be saying it there. Yeah. But it was, it was a very kind of obvious sort of uh, aesthetic to the, to the design of all that was attached to the cave. Right. Then there was some sort of a pod. Then there was some sort of a pod thing, kind of a round. I don't know what that was, mm -hmm. but the, the things I the thing that I think is the most interesting are the three helmets, which are kind of Mandalorian looking, but they're also very obviously supposed to be some sort of Imperial guard or elite trooper, which right. I think is the most interesting thing a part of that league. But there was another one the, the, the following day, I believe, which also had some more information as to the scene that all of that was a part of. Oh, really? And yeah there was uh, basically a scene breakdown it's going to be a key scene apparently in season three where uh it, which was set up in the book of boba fett where mando goes to do the purification ceremony he enters this huge cavern system which is presumably the mines on mandalore and mm. um, he is either accompanied by or meets the armor paz vizsla and bo katan on this uh, pilgrimage, I suppose. But also, the most interesting thing that I found from this nugget, despite the larger description of the scene, was the fact that there's two Mandalorian clan leaders mentioned. Mm. Um, one guy has dark skin, and the other guy is described as having light skin. Now, that could be, you know, any shade of person, realistically. But right my mind went straight to like okay cool cameo characters who could we have clint eastwood morgan freeman straight away or Ooh. danny glover and and mel gibson or you know that kind of duo um also those two guys are supposed to be the heads of opposing mandalorian fans so kind of like what we saw set up in rebels right right mandos that are kind of against each other in kind of a civil war thing so that would probably add some sort of context to that scene and a bit more, you know, salt. You know, what's really interesting about like, uh, if you were watching Mandalorian season one or even season two prior to the very end, you would think who gives a crap what the skin color is or what the, and who knows if skin is just another word for like the color of the armor. But if it, it is, be. if it is to be pigmentation of like, you know, uh, like this is what the human being looks like. It makes me think, remember the armor in the book of Boba Fett said, you know, the only way you can appease the rules of Mandalorian, you know, uh, tradition are to go to the minds of Mandalore to be, you know, almost like bat almost like baptized or something like that in the, in the river down there. It makes me wonder if, you know, let's say, okay, like a lot of people believe that, all human existence, you know, kind of sprang forth from like an area near the Euphrates and we all kind of spread out from there. Right. I wonder if this is kind of like a historically significant river or stream that's underground 
where it's like, this is where all Mandalorian life came from or like something like that. You know what I mean? And I wonder mm -hmm. if the reason that the, the characters have been described even, even to their uh, ethnicities and things like that, I wonder if it's okay in that one place to remove your helmet or remove your armor uh, to really bear your soul or show who you really are because you're close to that birthplace of Mandalorians. You know what I mean? Like what, what makes you like, what is your take on why they would describe the skin color of a character? I guess it could also be, uh, I guess the simpler explanation would be maybe these people don't adhere to the rules of the children of the watch. I think, I think so far from what we've seen in terms of the live action, I'll talk about the animated in a second, but in terms of the live action, we've sort of seen it set up that the De children of the watch are kind of a, a very, I, I'm going to say, I won't say conservative, I'll say radical kind of yeah. take on Mandalorian religion. Right. Whereas the likes of Bo-Katan and her, her group or clan or whatever they are, are uh, a little bit more, they're, they're, they're kind of as serious, but they're not that serious. Yeah. But it's almost kind of like, um, you know, going back to, or I guess, I don't know if you were going to make this point going to animation. I know you said you were going to revisit that, but with the animation, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you find Mandalore, obviously growing up, you and I growing up with Boba Fett, Jango Fett, you know, uh, Old Republic type Mandalorians. And then when we saw Mandalore in the Clone Wars, we were like, who are these guys? There's there's no armor. Mm -hmm. They're all just under this, like under the dome, Stephen King type, like, you yeah. know, cool society, but but also removed from their past. Not, And I think the dome and having a, a rich society within the dome is almost like a parallel to the fact that they're living inside their own society removed from what Mandalore really is on the outside, which is much more harsh and much more, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the battle hungry way of life for the Mandalorian is real Mandalore and they're removed from that. And they're in that bubble, you know, and, and pre Visla is, is kind of his thing is to restore the, the old school way of things restore, you know, go back, back to the way of the warrior and that's why he's the one walking around in his armor all the time versus Duchess Satine and those kind of folks. So I think I agree. I think uh, especially after the Night of a Thousand Tears, which was probably that whole storytelling from the armor and Book of Boba was one of the most rich moments of Mandalorian lore we've ever gotten. Um, you know, she says that we they, they were on the moon of Concordia and that's why they even survived the purge. And so I think for for them, it's like, of course, we're not going to remove our helmet. Like this is the only, like this way of life is what preserved us, you know, from being wiped out. And so um, maybe it's kind of like you've got the, you know, the lighter complected character, the darker complected character, Bo-Katan. And it's crazy because there seems, like you said, there seems to be a written in sort of rivalry within those three or within at least the other two that we haven't met yet. And even within those three, there's a sense of agreement you know, based on, you know, uh, hypothesis that we're kind of throwing out there, there's, but there's a blanket sense of agreement against Din Djarin, Paz Vizsla, the armorer, the children of the watch. This is the way we do things. This is the way. And they're like, we don't say that anymore. That's, that's a thing of the past, you know? And so it's interesting. I wonder if 
um, I wonder what makes it a, uh, like if I was Bo-Katan, why, why does it matter if I go to the, the mines, if I'm, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think it is that brings them all there in my mind until these leaks, it was kind of like, this is Din's quest, but obviously there's bigger ramifications from whatever is going to happen because it's drawing in, you know, all the upper echelons of the different factions of the Mandalorians. I think really what, what we're going to see is we're going to see at least four um, factions of Mandalorians, like major factions of Mandalorians turn up in this show. Okay. I think we're going to see the two factions that fought in the Mandalorian Wars against each other. And I think those who those two old dudes are going to be, they're going to be like the canon equi- the canon equivalent to Jaster Mareel and whoever. Dude. Okay. Dude, imagine, then, oh my God, would you lose your freaking mind if it was, you know, obviously they don't want to put Jaster in there. And you remember in The Mandalorian when Boba shows his chain code and there was like yeah. a couple of letters from Jaster. So, you know, who knows if they might go- not go back in time and introduce Jaster as Jango's adopted father. But imagine if it is Clan Mareel and Clan mm. Montross. Dude, I would lose my mind if it was like, I'm so-and-so from Clan Mareel. My shirt would come off. I know I threaten it all the time, but I would follow but, through. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against, you know, I wouldn't be against, um, like, he, as far as I'm concerned, the character doesn't have to look exactly like he did in in Legends. Like, he could be played by, he could be played by anybody. Right. But the character being introduced would be awesome especially if he was like this kind of older character and like even introducing somebody like Montross or uh, Jaster Mareel and having them still alive at this point in the timeline would open up other storytelling options where there weren't Mm. legends. And do you, so imagine we deviate a bit from the open seasons timeline that we've seen before. Um, you know, what if the family that adopts Django is closer to Django's age? What if he's adopted at 10 by, you know, mm. who knows, a 15 or 16 year old? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like and, and if you go back in time on Earth's history, you know, if you're if you're in uh, in Europe and all that stuff during during the Crusades and things like that, mm. you weren't an adult when you're 25. It was like, hey, you're 15. Nope. You need to figure things out. You know what I mean? So. Yep. It's it would be interesting if like, hey, you're 10, but and you don't know the Mandalorian way of life. I'm 15 and I've been a Mandalorian my whole life. Come and join our clan. You could hypothetically have someone who could be an older guy, a, a, a patriarch of a clan and still like, you know, it could be Jaster if he never died or it could be Montross or someone like that. If they just tweak the numbers a little bit. I think so. But I also think that because it's science fiction, there's a greater chance for it to be a character who is older you mm. know what i mean like if we look they don't at the, have to they don't have to adhere to to our physical limitations no. here like if if you look at the trajectory of of the book of boba fett and the mandalorian you you've steadily got characters who are older and older and older older getting introduced like the first season in mandalorian i don't think there was anybody under the age of 40 in that in that cast yeah in the book of boba fett we've got the main villain well, he became the main villain, Cad Bane at the end. He's 71 years old. You know what I mean? Right, I right. I think there's, 
I think there's a huge possibility for having a, a Mandalorian male, female, alien, whatever, that's, that's 90 years old and still physically capable of fighting. Yeah. Because it's in science fiction. Sure. And also, you know, there are other societies around the world outside of American society mm -hmm. and Western Europe society where you might say as a whole, you know, in the Far East, there are plenty of people who their diet is much healthier than the average American diet per se. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you're eating a lot of, you know, when you're almost a pesca, is it pescatarian? Yeah. And you're eating, you know, mainly fish, you know, there's people over there that their diet is like, almost like, you know, when Hugh Jackman's trying to get like in Wolverine shape and it's just rice and like yeah. grilled chicken for months fish. and months and months yeah. and fish and he's sick of it, <laughs> but he's, but he's in such great shape. You know, people that live much longer and, and much healthier. Um, it's almost kind of like you, it seems like when you think about your grandparents and your great grandparents and their grandparents, a lot of people, you know, obviously medicines made things better and things like that. But as far as the way of life globally, but especially in some of those places who seem to have a more enlightened mindset, you know, there's a lot of people who live to be 80 or 90 years old and they're, you know, they're working and then they die. Mm -hmm. Like they're just living life to the fullest. There's not really a steep decline like we see a lot of times, especially in the U.S. where it's like, you know, once you get to a certain age, the way we eat, the way we drink, the lack of physical activity, you know, obviously as more entertainment and social media takes over, the harder it's going to be for the next generation and the next generation to be healthy. But if you look at someone, I'm saying all that to say, you look at the Mandalorian way of life and man, what, if you're constantly on the farm and working and physically grinding life out and you're, you're your mindset is much more, you know, in the, in the Karen Travis, uh, Republic commando novels and things like that, the way of life is, uh, it's simpler, but it's simpler on purpose. We have like two or three mm -hmm. things that we care about in life, you know, family preserving the Mandalorian way of life, you know, protecting and extending the bloodline of your clan's names. Like all of those things are things that are important and it's, they're severely protected and it's on purpose. Like we don't want too much technology here because it's going to infringe on the Mandalorian way of life. You could have characters who are 70, 80 years old and, you know, much healthier. I mean, you think of someone like Sam Elliott, who's, yeah. who's pretty old, but he's, you know, he's an actor, but I think that he's on purpose kind of stayed in a, like in a way it's funny because he's an actor and I'm sure he goes home to a house with plenty of technology and things, but mentally, you know, even to the point of it getting him in trouble, he's in that mental state of what's the old West like, what was the American West like? That's just, it's become really a part of who he is, you know? Um, that's very interesting. You know, what would be so cool is, um, have you read some of the old Republic stuff like fatal Alliance and stuff like that? I've tipped into what I haven't, I, I, I bought the book years ago and I have, I have, I still haven't read, read it to be honest, but I, I would know the story because I've read summaries of it on, Okay. Okay. So, um, I think the ca character's name is Dow Striver. Um, mm. but it's cool because it's a Mandalorian, very dangerous. And towards the end of the book, uh, they take their helmet off. I think it's a female, uh, takes her helmet off and she's not a human. I can't remember what her, what species she is, but I would, you know, the Mandalorian way of life, the creed, all that stuff, 
you know, it's not your blood. It's not your birth family. It's, it's a way that you're, you live, man, it would be so cool. I would be so stoked to see, um, you know, kind of like with Grogu, like he's not a human being, but obviously based on what we see in the book of Boba, he's taking, you know, he's decided to take up uh, life with Din Djarin and the Mandalorian way of life. I would love to see some adult, like lifelong Mandalorians who are of different species. I mean, imagine seeing a Wookiee Trandoshan or an Ithorian Trand or uh, a Wookiee Trandoshan. Imagine seeing a Wookiee Mandalorian or an Ithorian Mandalorian. That would just like, that would even push the envelope. And you don't have to worry about does the aesthetic work? How does the, you know, I think one of the reasons we didn't get Bosk in live action was they want to make sure it's right before they bring it back out and have him talking and things. But if the character is a Trandoshan or a Wookiee, but also a Mandalorian, you could have them just have their helmet on the whole time. And you can see by the frame and maybe the scales in the gaps of their armor or fur in the gaps of their armor. You could, you could make it where it's obvious what's happening, but it's a Mandalorian. That and it's also just, you know, you, when, you have, when you have somebody wearing a helmet, you don't have to worry about putting prosthetics on under the helmet. You can just exactly. have a fellow girl just there with, with the helmet on them and that, they just have to worry about doing the stunts or whatever. Exactly. You, know? you, you can see the the body frame or the body type or for, for a Wookiee or Trandoshan, especially, I know those were kind of random out of the hat, but for those two, the, the, obviously for Wookiee, the Shri Wook or for a Trandoshan, the very snake-like, you know, the long S's and things like that, you can make it very obvious what we're seeing and what we're dealing with without having to worry about prosthetics and the full extent of a facial costume. They've just got a differently shaped helmet on or for Wookiee, a, very still humanoid, but a very large version. I mean, imagine how cool that is if we're taken back over Mandalore from the Imperial Remnant and you've got a black Kersantan sized Wookiee character, but in Mandalorian yeah. armor. I mean, how how amazing would that be? That'd be awesome. But even, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I'm looking back at I don't know if you've seen any Joe Coroni's art that used to be in uh, Star Wars Insider. There was a an article back in 2007, I think which was like the history of the Mandalorians. And he had, and I can remember from when I was a kid, it was like two alien um, Mandalorian super commandos. And I think I have mm. a picture of them on my Instagram. One is like a this kind of lizard creature with blue skin. And the other one is like this green skinned cat woman thing. But like, they just look so cool in the Mandalorian uh, fl flight suits and everything. Yeah. And, and also... You know, the Mandalorians in Legends were descendants of the, the, the species, I think it was called the Tong. Mm. And it looks a lot like the Predator, in my opinion, yeah. you mm. know. Um, but it shows them, you know, if you look up on Google Images, I'm looking right now. Um, they're some of the first ones that are riding, uh, you know, the Besulik or like these crazy, you know, uh, almost seems, you know, it's kind of like the uh, what the aliens ride in the first Avengers, where they look serpentine, but they're robotic, very similar to that. Um, very, very cool stuff. Uh, so jumping back uh, to those first set of leaks, which are those three, those three images, and, and I'll post them as we're talking about them. I've got them downloaded, and I'll put them up on the screen for the YouTube uh, viewers. Uh, but the, the first one I want to talk about is the little the pod that you see. Um, you know what it reminded me of was uh, it reminded me of the pods that get you around the island when you're watching The Incredibles. Yeah, the one that uh, Mr. Incredible can't get into, and like he's too yeah. too chubby, and they have to shove him in. Um, 
it definitely seems like, uh, you know what it could be now that I'm thinking about it and kind of talking it out is you're on Mandalore is my assumption, right? I feel like we could spend a chunk of the season there. You're on Mandalore. You're in the mines. How do you get around a mine? Might be a, a mine, uh, uh, a mine car. You know what I mean? A, uh, what would you call that? Like, a a mine shaft, like a, a buckets you would ride in, in real life. Yeah. You know, a rail car is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be really cool. And I think that there's there's definitely, and tell me if you agree or if you have a different thought on it, but uh, it definitely strikes me like Boba Fett thought the Empire turned Mandalore to glass. And maybe that's partially true, but it seems like there's more beneath the surface than we've been led to believe so far. And that could be one of the reasons that we're starting to see some of these structures and vehicles. You know, if, uh, if it's kind of... Uh, you know, an atomic bomb, Hiroshima, Nagasaki type situation where it's literally just laid waste. There's no reason to have transportation on there because there's nothing. You're starting from scratch. But I think maybe there's resources of some type there that the Empire mm-hmm. still values. Otherwise, who cares if the Mandalorians go back there? That, that That's one thought that I had. And certainly an awful lot of discussion I saw on the forums around these leaks seemed to be like, oh, you know, this Mandalorian facility that we see the all the way from has to be on Mandalore because it's in a mm. Could be the case. But it could also be, I think there's a possibility that, um, I don't know if you've seen Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, uh, where they terraform the inside of this moon and it's like all trees and forests on the inside of the planet in this huge cave. I'm sort of wondering, is it to have the Mandalorians that survived that purge, like, shall we say, the more modern Mandalorians still mm. wear the armor but don't go for the whole helmet business, have they somehow managed to make the under surface of the planet livable by comparison oh, to the yeah. top surface? You know, that's, uh, that's also... Um, it's a semi plot point, but um, it's not a huge, huge deal. But, um, in the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, they talk about how there was some kind of great disaster on Chila, which is where the Chiss are from, and the surface is no longer inhabitable, and they've gone into the crust, and the whole society is under that first layer, very similar to what you're talking about. Um, and uh, you know what those hallways really reminded me of was, uh, and this is right along that same line, was it reminded me of Starkiller Base. Mm-hmm. Where, the, where there's a whole you kind of have to... base built in there, you know? You do. I am kind of wondering, you know, that there's an awful lot of, I suppose, thrust behind the idea of Thrawn coming up as the main villain and because that's what he's being set up as right. and you know kind of bringing back the bringing back the empire but i the more i think about it the more i kind of wonder is he instead of bringing the empire is his long-term plan to somehow orchestrate a, a sort of a chiss um takeover mm. yeah, he's, he's definitely action. yeah i agree maybe his you know in the in legends continuity the idea was bring back the glory of the empire, you know, in, in all the air to the empire trilogy, he still calls the new Republic, the rebellion. Like he's just never 
you know, it's kind of like calling somebody by the wrong name on purpose. You know, it's like, that's what he's been doing. But um, in the new canon stuff, he definitely seems, you know, the empire is a part of his life because it, in long terms, he hopes it benefits the Chiss ascendancy. And so I wonder mm -hmm. if the Imperial, if he is in command of the Imperial remnant, let's say, if that's the case, it's not because he wants to bring the Imperial remnant back, but it's because he wants to finish what he started in a sense of trying to make sure that they're still valuable to the Chiss ascendancy. And maybe that's what we're fighting against is, is his, like you said, his, uh, his, I guess, uh, resurgence of the Chiss as a dominant force in the galaxy. And I think as well, like Canon seems to be setting them up as obviously they're not quite as intimidating, but they're kind of the next step towards the idea of the, of the Vong. No, it's kind of like the Chiss are sort of almost extra galactic. They're kind of just outside the the outer rim so they're kind of an mm. unknown they're kind of weird they're kind of you know they're kind of very dangerous and then there's always the potential that you know when Ezra and Thrawn were thrust into the face that they landed somewhere in Chiss uh, territories and and this is what's the result of it you know what I mean yeah yeah I've always wondered if you know when you watch Rebels Thrawn seems so like taken off guard he doesn't know what he's doing but i can definitely see a world where he's playing chess and he's saying ezra bridger has a history of calling on the aid of sentient animals here's what he's gonna do i've you know who knows like he could have made some kind of machine that it influences almost kind of like okay like dolphins use uh you know sonar and things to talk to each other It'd be interesting if he influenced them with certain waves built into the chimera, like, hey, you're going to jump into hyperspace, but it kind of leads them to Chiss space or something crazy like that. You know what I mean? I think there's there's obviously I think he was completely caught off guard and that's the only way that he could be defeated. That's what how Tim Zahn wrote him. He can't be defeated unless he's caught off guard. And that may be the case, but I can also see a world where he's caught off guard on purpose because it's part of the chess match where it's like, Oh man, you took my rook, but now you're in check. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. Um, it does make me wonder. And what's crazy though, is in the, um, in the Thrawn trilogy and in the chess ascendancy trilogy, the, the species that I always felt set up to be kind of the new Vong were the Grisks and mm -hmm they're very interested in, in expanding their empire aggressively um, versus the Chiss just wanting to defend Chiss space. And it, it always made me wonder, like, they're setting in, in the bigger picture of rebels and things that people will see more of, they're setting Thrawn up to be the bad guy. But in the books, he's just defending his people from this upcoming force that you know, they swarm, they're this crazy, you know, almost like a, like a, like you would vision, envision like a pestilence cloud, just like covering a place. And like, now all your crops are gone, like kind of like moving in force like that, like a swarm. Um, and so it made me wonder, like, will Thrawn be the bad guy? And then initially, you know, he's the threat. And then it comes to term, they come to terms with each other. And it's the New Republic and Thrawn against the Grists, which is the greater threat. 
Um, I've all, I've wondered that. Um, and let me ask you this, moving forward to those helmets that we saw, very reminiscent of the armorer style of helmet, but they're in a sleek and shiny red. And something that I read attached to the leaks was people were saying um, possibly the first version or something similar to the Praetorian Guard that we get in the sequel trilogy. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because if you'll remember to before the first season, the Mandalorian even came out, we were told um, this story will point us to the first order, but we've never, you know, we got those things in the vest that kind of look like Snoke, but we weren't sure is the remnant still serving Palpatine on Exegol or now we're feeling is the remnant serving Thrawn. Do you think that this base and these red helmets, because of the way that they look so much like the Sith fleet, do you think that those are tied together at all? I think there's a possibility that the the red helmets belong to or are a, 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 a kind of a next phase for the um, Imperial Super Commandos that we saw in Rebels. Right, totally. I think they're. I think they link into or eventually become the Praetorian Guards. So the Praetorians, even, it would be crazy if we found out long-term the Praetorians were brainwashed Mandalorian super commandos. Or even just, even just, you know, kind of asshole Mandalorians who just decided to go with the First Order, whatever, you know Sure, what I mean? sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because very much, you know, the Saxon family was like, kill everybody else if it puts yeah. us in better standing on Mandalore, whether it's the Empire, the Republic, who gives a crap, we're trying to look out for number one, you know what I mean? And um, that's very, very interesting. Um, Do you think, you know, the fact that there were, it's kind of hard because one, it's so funny. Did you notice how blurry the pictures were? Because whoever's taking the picture is clearly like on the move as they're taking a picture of, you know. Pretending to walk and text, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, Sorry, hey, sorry, I'm texting my mom. It's Mother's Day. Click, you know. Yeah. I got to tell you. I would try to really protect my job if I worked for Disney. Obviously, that's like a dream come true to be working on Star Wars. But it would be really freaking hard to be working and have guys like you be like, so how's the Mandalorian going? And not say it's going like this and send a picture of three red, you know, Imperial Super Commando Praetorian Guard Mandalorian helmets. Or a, a picture of like Mark Hamill on set dressed as Jorus Kaboth or something like that. Right, <laughs> something wild. Yeah, man. You know, I've, I've can, thought I've thought about see. that. I've thought about is 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 the Mando verse the new heir to the Empire trilogy. Well, I think they're they're they've sort of they've set up Mount Tantus in in Bad Batch. Yeah, um, and I think there's a possibility. People are even thinking, I don't know how accurate this is, but people are even, there was another theory that that hallway set was actually the interior of Mount Tantus. I don't know if I'm ready Uh, for that talk. (laughs) Neither am I. But the the thing that would really push that for me would be, is it it Saboth or is it Kaboth? I've always pronounced it wrong. So the way I guess the way I, I pronounce names are, you know, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. So however I hear it in the audiobook, um, mm. but here's the crazy thing. So the the 20th anniversary version of Air mm. of the Empire, um, 
they say Sabaoth. But mm. in the Outbound Flight audiobook, it's Sabaoth. So who knows? I think it's Sabaoth. I think I think the most recent one is closer to what Zan originally said. Yeah, I think so too. Whichever one is the most recent one, I would have two of those. I don't know. Jeruus Sabaoth is my understanding. Yeah, if he if he turns up, for, for me that's like that's. Well, actually, the two characters turn up if Jaster Mariel becomes canon again and we see him. Oh my goodness, dude! And, and if as and as an add-on to that, if he's wearing the same color armor as Boba, that's the that's the that's the box ticked for me as far as I'm concerned. Right, right. And um, then obviously, then obviously Jarus, whatever he comes up as well. Like because when I was a kid, I read I was reading about those stories first, and I was like, clone Jedi. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was like one of the first real, um, you know. When you when you go and watch this the saga films, you've got Palpatine, and he's he's such a puppet master that you never really get to see him do anything crazy. And then you have Vader, who's very like, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Maul didn't talk enough to to be as wicked and evil feeling. Tyrannus was, you know, he's a politician, so it's like he never he doesn't want to look evil because it's in his favor. To look like I'm defending myself against the Jedi. Somebody help. This is what the Republic's sending against us. You know, like manipulate. But Jerua Sabaoth really was an evil character that you could love for how like he just is what he is. Like he's not the Kylo Ren conflicted character. He's not, you know, the politician. He's not the the Hulk style that's Vader's like quiet, but just brooding and huge. Jerua Sabaoth was, I guess, the really... Um, unhinged character before we got someone like Maul and Rebels who's kind of mentally unhinged. Jerua Sabaoth was that archetype, which is like the mad scientist. You know what I mean? Um, you're not even sure. Like, what's like, you even think about it now, like, what's in it for him? Like, just to just to keep killing folks and then go back to his, you know, mountain and just live in there. Like, when you meet Jerua Sabaoth, he's just living in his mountain and he's got a whole village in front of the mountain that's just like, Whatever Jeruus wants, Jeruus gets. Like he's, <laughs> he's you do not want to mess with them. them. Yeah. He's a, such an interesting character. Do you think? Do you think that they would bring him back into canon, or would they use, um, would they use a character that's more well known, um, to to place into that placeholder? Essentially, the same character, but someone like a the person I'm thinking of is like a Mace Windu. Well, actually, the person when you said that, the person I instantly thought of—I mean, instantly thought of—was Plo Koon. Oh my gosh, dude! I don't know if my heart could handle a Plo, an evil Plo Koon, uh, like clone. I don't know how they'd, I don't, I don't know how that worked. That it'd be like Plo Koon. K o o o o o o n. He walks in. He walks in somewhere like to a reception, and he's like, "I, I have an appointment." She's like, "Is that so? Is that is that Plo Koon or is that Plu Koon?" Like, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so funny. Yeah, it's like uh, Plo Koon would be an amazing candidate. Um, you know, I think that his, uh, I think Mace Windu is a great candidate. Um, 
man, I just, I think, I think, uh, it would be so tragic for it to be Plo, um, because he's so kind and so wise and so soft and and gentle. For him to be that unhinged character, it's interesting that in in Legends, if you've read Outbound Flight, um, Joris Sabaeth is already, you know, he's kind of pushy. He's he's not exactly the smoothest operator. He's kind of like, you know, he's the head of this Outbound Flight project, and he's very like. It's going to happen on time. It's going to happen on schedule. This like he's kind of pushing it. You know, he's not he's not the most gentle character. Um, and I think that him being cloned and all that, it it pushed that further along. It would be so heartbreaking if you have a Plo Koon character who's who's such the opposite and the clone of him is so wicked and evil. Um, I can definitely I think that would be a really powerful portray- uh, portrayal of him i think that the character that comes to my mind first is mace because of the cutoff hand and we haven't seen the death and things like that and imagine also how vindictive of palpatine to take his you know you know you could say yoda was the most powerful adversary but mace had him dead to rights you know like a more physical adversary Yoda's wiser and is more knowledgeable in the force. I want to say, but Mace is, I personally think that city is through the fight, but either way you look at it, Mace is the only person that's ever had like a saber to Sidious's throat, like, you know, equals in combat, how, what a Sidious and Sith thing to do to take the hand of that guy. Who's been a staple of the Republic and the Jedi for so many years and now he's just a, a slave or a servant of the dark side on Tantus. Um, I think that would be so interesting. I would absolutely love a dark Jedi clone, though. I would love for them to use the Bad Batch and the Mandoverse to kind of rehash Heir to the Empire. You know, that was some that was a, a lot of the beef with the sequel trilogy was we have such a great story in Heir to the Empire. Why do something else? And I completely understand why they did something else because you have a completely blank chalkboard to write on, but I think it'd be really cool to do a rehash and a twist on the story of heir to the empire um, with the books and things being the way they are. Do you find it difficult to see Thrawn as the ultimate villain or how do you think they're going to write that? I find, I think it's, it's hard to, um, imagine he's going to be the ultimate villain when we've already seen the sequel trilogy. Right. You know, right. Especially, especially if he's still on the, if he's still kind of erring on the side of being an Imperial officer, it's kind of like, Oh, well, he can't really be anything but like a prequel to Palpatine. So what's the point here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's, um, I think when, yeah, when you read air of the empire, you're going into it thinking, there is no sequel trilogy in this timeline. He's the worst thing that we've got in front of us. And I think that's also the power of when Heir to the Empire came out, there was no sequel trilogy. There was no story beyond Return of the Jedi. And so as you're reading these books, you're thinking, holy crap, are they going to overthrow the New Republic five years into peace and justice in the galaxy? I don't see a world where these guys can outwit the Grand Admiral. And the crazy thing is, obviously a spoiler if you haven't read the Air to the Empire trilogy for anyone listening, but it's crazy that even though they won, 
it was because Rook felt betrayed by Thrawn and the Empire. Like there was still not a point where anybody outwitted Thrawn. It was a complete stab in the back from his his bodyguard, you know? Literally. Um I th- I think uh, it's hard to it's hard to tell the, I think it really is hard to tell the trajectory that they're gonna take it. Yeah. Um like even I, I feel like if if Morgan Elizabeth in the Mandalorian was gonna be tied in directly to Thrawn's forces, which he is supposed to be, why is it that none of the droids are distinctively imperial looking? Or why is it that none of Lang's troops mm-hmm. are distinctively imperial looking? Why like they have the Seventh Fleet logo on yeah. some of their armor plating, but it, it's not imperial looking. Right. So I feel and I know an awful lot of people are gonna probably be annoyed if he doesn't appear in his white uniform. But I feel like we're being possibly set on a on a course where Thrawn is gonna be in a different He's going to have a different aesthetic. Obviously, he's going to still be blue and whatever, but I don't think he's going to be in the blue, in the white uniform. So you're thinking maybe his uh, his faction is the Chiss in and of themselves. He's just broken away from the Empire, especially seeing their downfall in Jedi. That or he set up an, kind of a, a, a Chiss, uh, I suppose, effectively a breakaway Imperial group that's basically using Imperial assets to... Mm. Fund his own machine. Mm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because it seems he's such a polarizing figure, even to the Chiss. I don't see a world where he's not, um, you know, he's not uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger where it's like, okay, you know, he's going to go back to Austria and everybody loves him in Austria. It's not, he's not that character. You know what I mean? He's, uh, he's polarizing to his people. And that's one of the reasons that he ends up with the Empire. So, I agree. It's I don't, maybe he has a splinter group because there are definitely people within the ascendancy who see the way he sees things as the best route for the ascendancy to continue to to thrive. So, so basically, Thrawn is the Chiss version of Bono. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. When he imagine, leaves, when he imagine. Leaves, it's cool. Right, right. That's oh, when so it comes funny. back, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you you update your iPhone and there's a CD on there you didn't order from Thrawn, and they've just uploaded Thrawn's CD to your iPhone. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I remember updating my iPhone. This is probably you know ten or fifteen years ago now, but I remember being like, when the frick did I buy U two? Why why is there U two on my iPod right now? And I just remember, like, I don't like this album cover. It feels real gross. It's like a guy hugging the belly of another guy, and I can't tell what's going on here. Like, I was like, what is happening? And what was so funny was I didn't notice it was on there. And I was taking a shower or something, and I just hit shuffle on my um, iPad, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm like, what the heck is this? I thought my brother had broken into my room and pranked me by putting U2 on while I was in the shower. And I was like, oh, this is real funny. I'm stuck in the shower listening to you too. And I get out of the shower and it's my phone. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I remember that was the first time I realized that we have real no real control over our life. If they're just putting you two on your iPhone, you have no you control like over life. You will like you too, whether you like it or not. 
<laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so do we, okay, let me ask you this. Do you think that because those three photos that leaked all seem to leak from one source, one day on the job kind of thing, do you think that the helmets, the doorway, the rail car, what we're calling a rail car, do you think they're all part of the same sequence? It's hard to know if they're part of the same sequence or if there are elements. This is going to sound really stupid. It, it, it's hard to know if they just happen to be separate scenes that link up together, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. as in we've got an element of the cave scene. We've got an element of a rail car and then we've got these. Oh, I see, what, I see what you're saying. Not necessarily the same means. scene, but sequential scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Or whether it's just, whether that's just like a behind, that could easily be a behind the scenes store house. Yeah, that's thing. true. Like you know, you could be filming. Uh, you know, when they talked about um, <clears throat> when they talked about filming the Luke Skywalker scene in season two, there was the crew that was filming Luke's scene, and they talked about other crew, like anyone who was not specifically working on that scene, not being allowed on that wing of the set that day. Like they made it sound like there were multiple scenes being worked on at the same time, which in my limited you know, I don't know how to direct or act or anything like that. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, today we're working on this scene, everybody. But there could be two or three things being filmed at the same time um, that you're working on. So it could be, you know, and especially if they're using the volume for things like that, it's all at one central location, you know, and here's the hallway we've built. But this scene's being filmed in the volume, but here's the helmets for this other scene. It could just be, like you said, the back of a big, huge prop area because they're i think because the story is getting bigger than the volume they're starting to to build sets and things like that you know i think the volume like i, I as part of that cave sequence as well i read that there's a there was a sizable blue screen built and i was kind of surprised by that because i i was under the impression that lucasfilm had phased out blue screen and they just started using the volume huh um apparently the blue screen inside the cave supposed to be huge and inside the cave there's a, a frozen lake uh, and basically wow. the purification ceremony involves dinjarin i'm assuming there's steps going up some sort of steps with this torch and one thing leads to another i think the mandalorians being mandalorians start beating each other or something because they mm -hmm. don't agree with each other right right um, but then the weird part of the thing was he lights the torch or something and then the uh, lake breaks and a mythosaur rises up and attacks the Mandalorians. What? I don't know. I think that would be a little I bit... Was, I was literally about to ask, do you think the mythosaur is involved? Uh, I I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit skeptical of that because it seems a little bit too much on the nose. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Too and, too much of exactly what we would write for a scene. Yeah, which is like who's been who's been reading my Reddit comments? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> who's been reading your Reddit comments? And who the freak is in me and your personal DMs on Instagram reading and, and, our and ideas? Not even, not even not even not even my good Reddit comments. Like not even not even the good plot points you could use. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like. <laughs> Just oh, the yeah, most, the most fan, like the most, the more, the most toy based Reddit comments that we can come up with. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, oh yeah. Let's, oh, these, these fans just want this giant dinosaur. Yeah. Let's throw them in for one scene. Yeah. But, you know, 
You know, I thought about this and I thought, and I don't remember if I mentioned this to you. It, it may have been you. Um, I, I said, I can see this going just like the fellowship of the ring where, well, we've just got to go through the minds of Moria. It's not going to be pretty, but let's just get it done. And at the most crucial part of whether it's two groups of Mandalorians or Mandalorians and Imperials and other Mandalorians or whatever, similar to all of the man, all of the, the fellowship of the ring trying to get through the mines and you've got the orcs and you've got the goblins and all this other stuff. And the last thing we need is the freaking, uh, what do you call it? The Balrog rising up. You know what I mean? It seems very, very, very similar. You know, it's, it's not a frozen lake, but it's a bottomless pit sort of thing. Um, be very, very interesting. It just, if the uh, case. I don't know. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me before. Uh, I just realized they mentioned in, in the Mandalorian season two, that they needed to retake Mandalore. Right. So uh, one would assume, because you asked me earlier on, what the situation was, how would those factions, the four factions of Mandalore end up meeting? If, if they've got to go down into the mines, they've obviously got to land on the planet. They've obviously got to, you know, get there. But what if there's an Imperial occupying force that they've got right. to fight through in order to get them? You know what I mean? Right. That could be the... Yeah, it seems, sort of. it's, it seems like uh, let's retake Mandalore and because Din has the dark saber, he has the say so. So he calls everybody together. And maybe this scene that we're talking about, where all these factions of Mandalorians are together, happens to be, you know, there's times where it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But once the enemy's defeated, we're not friends anymore. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm starting to, I don't, did you notice I'm starting to pick up your accent a second when I say that? <laughs> I just heard it myself. Um, next thing, next thing, we're gonna start eating potatoes and uh, drinking, you know, whiskey. <laughs> That's so funny. I just heard me say <laughs> that. Uh, but it's interesting, like you know, at, at the end of World War II, I know that you're a big history buff. At the end of World War II, you know, Germany's about to be defeated, and what's going on in the Pacific is kind of a different, a different branch and a different problem. And uh, George Patton says, you know, while we're here we should just take over Russia because they're going to be the next problem. And, uh, you know, they were saying, George, you can't just go out and say things like that. You're going to start another war. But George Patton was like, listen, I'm telling you firsthand, we take, we, while we're here, we're already overseas. We already got the men over here. We already got the tanks. Let's just knock Russia out before they become an issue. And of course, down the road, the cold war was a big deal. And if today, obviously they're, they're obviously still a big issue in the world. Um, but it's interesting. Imagine all these Mandalorian clans joined together to retake Mandalore. But once that's done, you know, a lot of times when groups like this get together, there's so much passion for retaking it. And maybe part of it is uh, a suspended disbelief of maybe we can't even do it. So who cares about what's after that? Let's just throw ourselves into the fight knowing maybe we won't make it. And then once you're victorious against all odds, now what do you do? Like if me and you have a beef with each other, we can we can be friends until the third party is defeated. But once that's out of the you know once that is defeated, now me and you still have an issue. So who who gets to take what land? Who gets to sit on the throne? Who gets to you know what I'm saying? That may be with the place that we find ourselves. 
Um, so it's very, Absolutely. very interesting. Well, we've uh, we've been on here for a good while. I think we're we're coming up on close to an hour, so I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, I know that it's close to two in the morning there if it's not already, but we decided we would talk about five characters that stood out to us who had something they they're green, they wear green, they use a green lightsaber, something along those lines to celebrate St. Patrick's Day with our our favorite Irishman. So uh, do you have any ideas uh, of five characters um, off the top of your head that stand out to you? Green characters. Or, or green related characters. Quinlan Voss. I love it. Fen or Shisa. Okay. Uh, Boba Fett. Right. Cobb Van. Uh, yes. How many is that? That's four. four. Yeah. So you're trying not to state the obvious one. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Yoda. <laughs> Yoda. <laughs> okay, ready? I got a couple of different ones. I thought it'd be fun to get outside the box, okay? okay. So for your uh, for your Quinlan Voss, I'll say Kukruk, who oh. is a close friend of Quinlan Voss um, and a survivor of Order 66, at least in Legends, someone I desperately want to see back on screen or in comics or something. Um, or just okay. on screen, just anything, a comic, a book, but spe- obviously specifically on screen would be the dream. Um, okay, so you've got Kakrook. That's a really big one. Obviously, I got to represent for Boba Fett as my favorite character. Um, the happiest Jedi in the galaxy. I wore this shirt, but kind of stayed low so you couldn't see it the whole show. Uh, but uh, Kit Fisto, this oh, shirt yes. is actually a Kit Fisto shirt. Well, I've got the animated Boba Fett. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I've got Kukrook, Boba Fett, Kit Fisto. Um, Okay, let me think. Let me think. I know my fifth, and I want it to be a big reveal, so I got to think of a fourth character. Um, Okay, for the fourth one, um, a character that was not significant but became significant during the book of Boba Fett, I'm going to say the Gamorrean Guard is one of my favorite green characters. Um, And here's my fifth. Ready? Uh, Someone who was from some of the foundational earliest days in Star Wars literature who just recently found his way back into canon uh, from a certain point of view of The Empire Strikes Back and has also been made into a Black Series figure. Yes. Everyone's yes. most annoying but favorite Leppy, Jackson. Yes. Brilliant. Fun. Would Why you love... <laughs> can we please get a Jackson Leppy Mandalorian character? I just, I just want, first of all, I just want him in the vintage collection. A hundred uh, million percent. Let me tell you if this. You're listening, Let's if anyone say, in Hasbro is listening to this, make that figure, <laughs> right? <laughs> we, Me and Joe will cover the cost of production between the two of us if we have to. Um, well, let's not get excited here now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. If they make, okay, you know that I'm a fan of collaborations when I get a chance to do some photography here and there. Um if they make the vintage collection Jackson, I'm reserving my first picture of Jackson. We'll do a collaboration together of the character. So whether you get him first or I get him first, we'll wait and I'll post my first picture of Jackson in the vintage collection with, with you on Instagram. But those are five characters that stand out for both of us that are green. Um, so 
uh, we'll get out of here. So, you know, Joseph stayed up late for those of you who don't know, he literally is in Ireland and it's two twenty right there. Um, and so, uh, we want for him to be able to get to get to sleep and get some shut eye. So, uh, Joe, thank you so, so much. Uh, any parting words, uh, of wisdom from, uh, from an Irishman on St. Patrick's day before we let you go. Uh, no part more to wisdom, but I'll, I'll just I'll just leave with this thought that if the Mandalorian season three does one thing, the one thing I want to do is when Din Jaren calls the Mandalorians together, I want a montage of Mandalorians across the galaxy putting on armor for the first time in years. Oh, and I want like wow. I want like an like an old man Mandalorian, whether it's Jester Mareel, whether it's some random guy played by Clint Eastwood or Sam Elliott or somebody like that, coming back off the farm, putting on the armor and just getting back in there. That's, that's yeah. what I want. You know, I want, yeah, something like, uh, you know, in Logan where it's like, I'm beaten and I'm old and I'm tired, but I'm going to take it up one more time. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of, that kind of somebody. Um, uh, okay. This is a, this is a crazy callback, and this is something that Samuel would totally get uh, if he was on with us. Uh, but there's a series of American cartoons called The American Tale. It's about mouse. Uh, I watched. <laughs> okay, I watched okay. Him. So you remember, uh, Fifo goes west. You have the classic sheriff that's been defeated and like laid down his guns and stuff. Oh, and J- Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm tired. I'm not a Western not a sheriff anymore. And yeah. man, that type of character, the character who's seen a lot and just been defeated by life, but he takes up his, you know, his his helmet once more or her helmet or, you know, maybe that's what about that moment? Maybe you do have a Wookiee or a Trandoshan prosthetic and they hear the call and you get to see a alien species put on their Mandalorian helmet. So maybe you don't have to have the prosthetic where it's working, you know, sound mouth technology. Maybe it's just a still Trandoshan snout. Um, I don't think it would be a Trandoshan because we got so much of that in the book of Boba, but something different and crazy. Um, And they put on their helmet for the first time. And like you said, however long uh, to join the fight to free Mandalore from the Imperial remnant. I love it. And I'm hundred percent on board, Joe. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, Joe. Again, this is, uh, if you're on Instagram, follow him at Vance Armory. If you're a fan of, uh, of breaking down, uh, Star Wars characters and different things that you want to see in collectibles. Uh, he's, he's a fun follow and he's a great conversationalist. Um, so make sure you follow him on Instagram. If you enjoyed this video, you know, the drill, like follow, subscribe, all of those things. Um, and we will see you guys next time. May the force be with you always.